Joined of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook, your host. Another Saturday morning. Where do the weeks go? October 19th. Time to start thinking about planting those bulbs. It's getting towards the end of October. This is the perfect time. Don't be the customer that comes in in the spring and wants tulips and daffodils all through their garden and can't get them. Now's the time to think about those bulbs. You know, think about your color palette, what you have in your landscape, what things that they would kind of match up with. Uh, get into the store, grab some bulbs, and like I always tell you, kind of naturalize your bulbs. One packet of bulbs are basically a clump or a cluster. I like to throw down my bulbs, you know, kind of random, and then plant them wherever they lay. It looks a little bit more natural to me. Like we've talked in past shows, tulips work extremely well in all of your annual areas. You know, the areas that you're going to plant your annuals late May. Great filler, you know, up close to the house. Be careful of the deer factor on your tulips. If you have a lot of deer in your area, you know, daffodils, hyacinths, crocus, you know, muscari or grape hyacinths, all great deer-resistant bulbs, don't tend to have a lot of problems. And last but not least, Allium giganteum. I know, great, big, huge ornamental onions. I love them due to the fact that they not only have a big purple flower and look more like a perennial, but also they have a great seed pod that holds on late into the season. Now, that this is one bulb that you can also plant in the spring because we will have them available in pots. Okay, so most bulbs you can't get in the spring, but Allium giganteum we do have in pots in the spring. So it is something you can add. We treat it more like a perennial where it has the nice seed pod and adds a lot of other interest. If you are planting Alliums, you really need to plant multiple plants together to get an, a good effect. They are fairly expensive. It's just the nature of the beast. Very long-lived bulb. So, you know, great, great, great addition to the perennial garden. The other thing is it's time to think about planting your first crop of paper whites. Okay? So paper whites, you know, you can plant them every two to three weeks, and you'll have them in bloom from probably Thanksgiving all the way until March. So think about picking up a bunch of bulbs now and storing them in a nice dry closet in the dark, and you can periodically just pull six or eight of them out and plant them up. It's a great gift if you're going over to have dinner at your neighbor's or your friend's house. It's a very inexpensive gift. You can reuse any containers you might have. It's very simple. You know, all you need is some rock, some water, and you're good to go. So very simple, easy thing, uh, you know, as a gift. Is your Halloween decor up? Okay. We're on the cusp of Halloween. It's the 19th. You know, are you ready? Do you have your candy? I haven't purchased mine yet, but are you ready? You know, I, it, I'm i always that guy that's at the store on the day of Halloween looking for some sort of candy that there's none on the shelf and worried that I'm not going to have something for the kids that show up. So don't be me. You know, be the person who's really prepared, all stocked up, ready to go. And what's the worst that happens? No one shows up to the door and you got a bunch of candy. You know, that's the way I look at it. So life is good. It's also time to think about the birds. You know, let's face it, the leaves are pretty much off the trees. You know, as soon as the ash trees start to drop, which pretty much they're all gone now, you know, all the other leaves are coming, the rains will knock them down, the winds will knock them down, pretty much the leaves, it's over. 
Okay. Now it's time to think about the birds. Okay. How do we attract them into our yard? You know, how do we add to our landscape? You know, how do we clean those feeders, get the food out? Suet is a very, very important, important thing. Okay. That fat is very important to the birds to keep them warm and happy all winter long. So make sure you get some fresh suet out. Now is the perfect time of year. You know, refreshing those the seed. Maybe add a new feeder in a different area. If you're not having success with your birds, talk to us. Ask us why. You know, are the birds not co have enough structure or cover to get to your feeder? Do they not know where it is? Um, you know, are you using the right type of food for the birds that are in your in your woods and in your yard? Maybe we just need to switch up the seed. You know, do you have multiple feeders that have different types of seed? That's very important. One seed does not fit all when it comes to birds. You do need a variety of seed. The suet will be a great thing that many birds will come in and feed on. If you have that Indian corn that's been sitting on the on the door and you're kind of getting towards the end of your fall decorating, you know, take that out, hang it on a tree. The Blue Jays will love you for it. So there's many different things, you know, you can do to attract, um, you know, many of the birds. So think about, you know, maybe using some of your oranges, you know, put them. There's nice holders that hold oranges, and the citrus is really great for, you know, a lot of times your cardinals, you know, you'll bring them in. Uh, you know, many different things, but think about the birds, you know. We'll have more about this as we get later on into the winter months, but we're on the cusp of winter, you know. It's coming. Have you done your chore list? Last week we talked about a lot, you know, over the last couple weeks about what you need to get done before winter. So I've made some strides in my yard. I've got pretty much my last lawn mowing is done. The leaves are pretty well cleaned up. I've got the wood stacked. I'm ready to go to hunting camp. <laughs> that's always for me the big thing I am a big hunter I love to uh, deer hunt I love more about the woods and the quiet factor of it okay I just like getting out in the woods and enjoying myself and getting away from work and the cell phone it's a great time of year just to get out and enjoy nature I have spent some great time this fall out in the woods just checking out the foliage and sitting on the lake on the dock and, you know, all these wonderful things you can do in the fall and, you know, enjoyed my apple crisp and all that. But, you know, at this point we're, we're thinking winter, you know, the gardening season's pretty much over. We're just wrapping things up. Okay. So now we got to think about all those things that we need to do to the equipment and all of that. We've talked about how you need to put the additives in the gas, how you need to get the, the, you know, uh, all the oil, you know, um, out, out of, you know, all these pieces of equipment, I like to change all my oil in the fall. Okay, so I usually do a bunch of engine maintenance in the fall, change my oil and my lawnmower. That way in the spring, I'm not worried about it. And then the same thing in the spring, when I put the snowblower away, I change the oil, I do all of that, so it's ready to go. Think about your generator. You know, before we know it, there'll be a big nor'easter or an ice storm or something that you're going to need the generator. Have you charged your battery? All of that fun stuff we need to think about ahead. And then, of course, have you started your indoor fairy garden? Have you repotted your house plants? You know, what have you done to get squared away to make sure all your things inside are going to thrive? Mother Nature is not very nice to our plants when it comes to winter months. And 
October, late October, I always, right around the 1st of November, I always think to myself, it's a winter month. It is what it is. November is a winter month, and all the plants start adjusting. So you'll start to see the plants not look as good. The light's getting really dark. Last night I was sitting on the couch and I was just thinking to myself, wow, it is dark early. It is really dark early now. What a huge difference from August. And for me, that's a little depressing. You know, as soon as the sun goes down, I want to go to sleep. I love the summer when it's, you know, really long days and we can enjoy the garden and sitting out on the deck. Now we need a fire on the deck in the fire pit. We need the heater running, you know, to stay out there till 6.30. So, you know, it's that time of year. But I wanted to tell you, November 14th, mark this on your calendar, Ladies' Night Out in Yarmouth. We're going to be having a Christmas event. We're having a whole bunch of outside vendors coming in. And so it's not just the products that we sell at Estabrooks. And we've got multiple events coming up this winter, you know, for our Christmas season. Our concern is that Christmas or Thanksgiving is really late this year. So you're going to have to do some shopping before Thanksgiving. You can't wait for Black Friday. you got to get going. So our trees will be in a week before Thanksgiving. That's right. Our Christmas trees will be in a week before Thanksgiving. It's the same time we bring them in last year. But because Thanksgiving is as late as it possibly can be, there are very few weekends between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So I know I'm talking about Christmas. But I want everybody to understand that it's going to be a very compressed decorating and shopping season. So think about starting and decompressing your holiday season and not feeling the stress and the pressure. So come to our ladies' night. It's going to be from 3 to 7, and it's on November 14th. And we're bringing in a bunch of other artisans from all across Maine that are going to have all kinds of different products that you've never seen at our store. And they are artisans. They're they're really nice jewelry, really nice gifts, and, and all kinds of different things that I'm excited about. It's going to be a really great event, and we've got also a couple other events. Of course, Christmas with alpacas. We'll be back the first week of, of December. You know, bring the kids for that. So all kinds of things that really are going to kind of pull together the holiday season. We're starting early. We're starting often. And that brings me to... One other thing, I was in the store today, and all the Christmas lights are out, okay, in our store in Yarmouth. Now, the reason I bring this up is because we sell these spheres. You know, you see all these spheres around at Christmas time, but what I wanted to bring to everyone's attention was for Halloween, we have orange and purple and blue and all these colors that you can use at both holidays. So... If you're looking for something different to set you apart from your neighbor, these fears might be something that really kind of kick it up a notch for you. You know, they come in white, purple, pink, a whole host of colors. Of course, you're red and green for Christmas, but they all work with Halloween, too. And the orange and the purple, to me, really look pretty cool. So, you know, think about something like that where you can use it all the way from Halloween all the way to Christmas. And so you get a very long season with it, and you really, really, really kind of get a good bang for your buck. Um, and these are lifetime guaranteed, folks. If you have a problem with the lights, you bring them back. 
we plug them into this little machine. It tells us where the lights need to be fixed, and then we plug new lights in, and bam, you go back out and you hang them back up on the tree. Okay, if we can't fix it, then our supplier gives us a credit. We give you a new one. So it's a great, great guarantee on these lights. I can't talk enough about the Christmas lights we sell because they hold up. I've had mine for almost 18 years now, and they just they have fuses in them that you can change out. The lights don't all shut off if one light goes out, <laughs> you know. So great addition, you know, think about that, you know, adding that in your Halloween decor. And Halloween's just a fun time of year that you should have fun with. So one question I have for you, though, is when is the cutoff age that you can, you know, not dress up anymore and go get candy? When is that? One of my friends asked that the other day, and I wasn't quite sure. So if you have an answer, give me an email, tom at estabrooksonline.com. I'd love to hear some of the answers and share with them on the air in another week. Um, you know, it would really be kind of fun to kind of talk about some of those answers. So it's an ageless holiday if you ask me. But, uh, you know, is it wrong that you bring the kids and you get more dressed up, you know, than your kids? Maybe. But it, get out there and enjoy your holiday because it's, it's a fun holiday. So try not to scare the kids, though. <laughs> so we've got all kinds of things this week we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about a whole host of different things about what we need to get to put your plants to bed. You know, we're at that final stage. The ground's starting to think about freezing. We've had cold temperatures. It's time. We've got to do the final work, and we've had a bunch of questions on our website. If you have questions for the show, you can submit them at estbrooksonline.com backslash radio, and it's a great way for me to have a lot of different topics to kind of talk about. And, you know, these questions really kind of focus more around the final things we need to do, do's and don'ts, you know, all those things you're not quite sure about at the end of the season. So, you know, here's a, here's a good one. I have David Austin roses. Should I cut them back or mulch my plants? So simple question. Yes, you should cut them back about 25, 30% of the way. Okay. And then we're going to do a final pruning in the spring. But the big thing is we want to mulch around the crown. So yes, we want to pull the mulch and the soil up around the base of the plant or what we call the, the uh, crown or the bud union. Okay, and you'll see it's like a knob or a ball, you know, right down there on, on the rows. That wants to be covered up by about four to six inches of soil or mulch, and then we'll strip it away in the spring. If you've buried your plant extremely deep, then, you know, certainly uh, you may not have to do as much. But uh, we're going to come back and talk a little bit about more roses after the break, so we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. <music> At Costa Maine Organic Products, we've known for a long time that plants love lobster just as much as people do. It's one of the reasons we started composting marine residuals back in 1996. And although we've had great success in getting gardeners and their plants hooked on lobster throughout New England, the Mid-Atlantic, and Midwest, the heart and soul of what we do is here in Maine. Plants love lobster because the calcium and chitin in the lobster shells break down in the composting process and become plant-ready food that help to make your plants strong and healthy. And of course, the plants don't use any butter, so they're even healthier. So support your local retailer and Maine's lobster industry by using Coast of Maine's Quaddy Lobster Compost in your garden. 
coast of Maine, a lobster compost company. Approved for organic growers by the Maine Organic Farmers and Gardeners Association. Visit us at www.coastofmaine.com. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrook. So I'm Tom Estabrook. Talking about bulbs before the break there, and or not bulbs, but roses. Um, you know, roses are one of those things that, depending on what type you have, need a fair amount of protection. Now, a lot of your shrub roses, like knockouts, Rosa Ragosa, um, all your beach roses, um, all your drift roses, don't need a lot of protection. Maybe a little bit of mulch around the base, but not much of anything. I personally, on those roses, don't do anything. They're on their own route and not really much of a concern. Now, with David Austin's, any of your tea roses, grandifloras, all of them have a bud union, what they call a bud union. Now, a bud union is where they graft the variety to a rootstock. And when they do that, it is the most tender spot on the rose because of freezing and thawing. So that's why we're mulching up around the stems and making sure that that crown is covered. If you properly bury your roots, you know, and that bud union, you you don't have to, to mulch and maintain as much. So go to our website and search for rose care. And it will pull up a sheet that basically tells you all the do's and don'ts, what level to plant things at, all of that. So it will really help you. But when in general, in the fall, I don't like to prune my roses back a lot. So all I want to do is get them within the rose cone that you might cover these plants with. If you're not going to cover them with a rose cone, and when I say rose cone, it typically is either styrofoam or cardboard, and it protects from wind, and it protects from the, the heavy snow and ice. Okay, So what that will do is allow you to get that cone down over the plant. I like to do my final pruning in the spring. Okay, so if you can get the rose cone in there and not prune at all, perfect. Don't worry about it. I do recommend you clean up all the leaves. Be very, very diligent about that because all of the disease you might have had from the year before is still around. So if you don't clean up the leaves, it can bring back your black spot and some of those problems that you've had from the years before. So cleaning up good, giving a light pruning is another thing. A rose cone and mulch around the crown. So great question. Roses are always kind of one of those things. Do you? Don't you? You know, uh, protect. Air on the side of caution when it's a hybrid tea, a grandiflora, David Austin's. You know, um, any of those I would recommend. If it's a shrub rose like Knockout or Drift Roses or a shrub rose, you're probably fine. Rose Ragosa, tough as nails. Don't worry about the old beach rose. You don't have to do anything to those. Okay, so great question. Um, roses can be tricky, but make sure and clean up all those leaves. So another question we have is, what's the best way to keep all those critters away from the freshly planted bulbs? Okay, so we've talked about this in some past shows, but I was thinking about it a little bit more before this show with this question of what we should do. So you're, you're getting ready to plant your bulbs. We've been talking about it for weeks. You're, you've got them planted. We've put a little bit of fresh mulch. And then I'm going to recommend you use a couple products because I still think the rodents may go after them because they're hungry at this point in the season. There's not a lot going on in the garden. They're you know starting to think about hibernating and not being out, but it's just that time of year. 
So a few products that I think might help. One is called Mole Max. And all we're going to do is shake this over the top after we've mulched and planted. We're just going to shake it over the top. And what that will do is just keep the critters from digging in that area for a short period of time. Another product is called Shake Away, which there's a whole line of repellents called Shake Away. And many of them work very well, but just, again, shaking a little bit over the top um, will also help. And then again, when we plant using Soil Perfector, and I've talked about this before, Espoma Soil Perfector, working that in with the soil that you backfill the hole with when you're planting will give you extra insurance and is completely organic. So those three products, so Molmax, Shake Away, and Soil Perfector, all three of those will help protect your bulbs. And if you've had problems in the past, you know, certainly you want to be proactive with that and make sure that you use some of these things. Um, it's a great way to protect. The last thing you want to do is spend all this money on bulbs, do all the energy and work, and then not have good success. So important to kind of move forward with that and make sure everything is, is uh, you know, on task and those lovely little red squirrels aren't digging up all your bulbs. They're a big, big pain in my yard, but bigger are the chipmunks. If you have a lot of chipmunks, they can do a lot of damage very quickly. Next question we have is, do I need to cut my perennials back in the fall or can I do it in the spring? Okay, I had this question with a customer a few weeks ago, um, you know, in the, in the yard. And this is a, a, a classic scenario of there is no wrong answer necessarily to this problem. Okay, if you don't want to do the maintenance this fall, it's completely fine. Is it perfect? No. Here's kind of my reasonings behind you should prune back and clean up in the fall. The number one reason is all of this dead and decaying organic matter is just a place for disease to start. And if you want to treat your yard as organically as possible, you don't want to have problems like insect and disease the following year. Fall is basically the time when you can create a clean slate for the following year. By harboring and leaving all of that dead growth around, it just gives everything a place to hide. It gives a, a place for our slugs and snails to hide. It gives a, a place for all our aphids and all of our insects to lay their eggs and just kind of fester. It gives a great place for all of our fungal problems, black spots, mildews. All of those things are going to still be on that those leaves. And unfortunately, in the spring, the tough thing is to get out there and do this maintenance before the plants start to sprout up. Nine times out of ten, we go from very cold temperatures in the spring to very warm within a week. And if you don't have the time right at that, particular moment to get out there and clean up your yard, you tend to fester and harbor a lot of these things. And what happens? The new leaves start to show up. They start to emerge out of the ground. Everything's starting to activate. And all of your problems for the previous year are all sitting right there, inoculating all of those brand new leaves, making things, you know, more cumbersome <laughs> for you the following year. So what I would say is certain plants I don't cut back in the fall. I don't cut my ornamental grasses back. I like to leave them up. 
I like to leave my sedum up because they have nice seed heads. They look good. Um, everything kind of, you know, is a nice accent for the winter months. So I tend to use the plants that give me winter interest. I leave them up. They're also typically the ones that sprout up the latest in the spring. So you tend to not have as many problems on those plants. Now, if you have phlox or monarda or bee balm, if you have all the problems, problem plants, asters would be another one I would recommend you clean up, that typically get powdery mildew. They get a lot of aphid or slug problems. Your hosta, you don't have to cut them back because they're foliage, but think about all those slugs and snails. If you've been having a lot of problems with those, maybe if you cleaned up beforehand, you wouldn't have a place for them to activate as early. I like to clean them up. I like to put a little sluggo down in the fall. It's there for the late season, and then bam, in the spring, you're ready to go. As soon as you start to see the fronds come up out of the, out of the ground, whether it be on ferns or any of the, the shade-loving plants, you know it's exactly the time to put down your sluggo. So cleaning all of the, those areas up really makes a huge, huge difference. And I know we all have a lot of time tied up in cleaning the leaves and the kids' soccer games and all the things that are going on in our life. So it's not life or death if we don't clean it up. It's just saving you time and problems down the road. So in a nutshell, I recommend you do clean up in the fall. But again, like I said, if you don't get there, you don't get there. Just put it on the list of things to do in the spring. Well, it, the list will be long. It's just the way it is. Okay. Next question we have is, I have a new perennial bed. I planted it this summer. It's done very well. The plants look great. I'm, I've cut all of them back and things are looking good. I think I'm ready for fall. Should I mulch in the, in the fall or in the spring? I have not mulched this season yet. It's a great question because, you know, mulch, a lot of people don't understand why we use mulch. The number one thing we do when we're mulching is aesthetics. You know, just making your yard look good. But even bigger than that, what mulch does is it keeps plants from freezing and thawing. So what bark mulch will do is it will help keep your ground cold in the winter. And most people think it's insulation. And it is insulation, but it's insulation to keep your ground cold. Okay, so it gives us a layer between the soil and the sunlight that can warm up, dry out, you know, unthaw, and then freeze again. So bark mulch, that's really what it's doing, is keeping the ground cold. If your plants are constantly cold throughout the whole winter months, they winter much better. Okay, let me say that again. If the ground is cold all winter... Your plants winter a lot better than three weeks of warm weather, two weeks of cold weather, another week of warm weather, and the ground kind of freezes and thaws and frost heaves and moves the plants around, and that's where we get damage on our plants. So I do recommend that if you have beds that you've planted this year, you should mulch them in the fall. It's just a good way to keep your weeds down and not only really, really, really kind of keep the ground cold. With perennials, it's very important. With trees and shrubs, not as much. But perennials tend to frost heave if the ground freezes and thaws. And that's where a lot of times you'll kill your plants. 
Now, the last thing about mulching in the fall, you've cut your plants back. You can still see where the crown of the plant is. Do not cover the crowns of the plants with bark mulch, though. Meaning the center of that clump where it was growing this year, don't put bark mulch over the top of that. Leave it out around the edge, okay? If you put bark mulch or soil in there, it creates crown rot, okay? Crown rot is very, very, very bad problem for overwintering perennials. It doesn't rot in the fall. It rots when the ground starts to, you know, thaw in the spring, okay? So what will happen is you'll fester a bunch of, um, you know, moisture and whatnot, and the plant will start to grow, and it will just rot off right at the beginning of the season, and there, you're done. The plant will never come back. It's, it's dead. Dead as a doornail. Okay, so no mulch around the stems or in the crown of the plants on all trees, shrubs, perennials, roses, ground covers. Now, the exception is the roses. You know, we do crown them up due to the fact we want to protect that bud union like we talked at the earlier in the show. So very important, get that bark mulch down. Sooner the better. It's getting to the end of the season, you know, so get that insulation down to keep the ground cold. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. Fall is in the air, leaves are changing, pumpkins turning, and fall is the best time to plant trees, shrubs, and perennials. You can buy your plants and garden supplies almost anywhere. Wouldn't you rather come to your local garden center? We're the independent garden centers of Maine, working together to ensure you, the customer, gets the best quality advice and service. Visit us at MainIGC.com to see the closest IGC member near you, then stop by your local member garden center, where we'll help you select the best product for Maine's climate and soil. We work together to satisfy you. Visit us at MainIGC.com. For over 60 years, Wilt Proof has provided the most effective protection against moisture loss in plants under water stress, and no other product comes close. Our non-hazardous, organic, and biodegradable film is like having several layers of protection. As the outside layer of Wilt Proof wears off with the weather, another layer forms. Wiltproof is the only horticulture anti-transparent that has the ability to provide this long-lasting protection. Put your trust in Wiltproof. Check out their site at wiltproof.com. That's wilt-proof.com. Welcome back to the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook on another Saturday morning, late October the 19th. <sighs> into the end of the season cleanup is under full full scheme i'm i hope you've got your fall cleanup with your landscaper lined up if you haven't you better call soon because they're very busy right now been very busy doing all that they have to do their landscapers are always short staffed in the fall all their summer help goes back to school you know it's just a tough season for them so you can't expect for them to just drop everything and come over and clean your yard. So if you need a fall cleanup, start making some phone calls because a lot of people I'm hearing are booked up. Give us a call at the store if you need a hand. We may have some people that have some time available. Many times landscapers will come in and say, ah, I've got a little bit of hole in my schedule. If somebody is asking for a cleanup, you know, give them my name. So give us a call at the store uh, you know, if you need help. I wanted to bring a, a, another thing up about 
our stores in Scarborough and Kennebunk, I just want to say thank you so much to all our great customers. We really had a great season in those two stores. Uh, you know, I know it was tough at the Scarborough store with all of the construction at Dunstan's Corner this year, and it really was hard for a lot of customers to get in and out of our store there. Uh, but I really want to thank everyone. I also want to thank our staff in those two stores. We are closed now, you know, but it was a wonderful season. Uh, we really wrapped up, you know, the last six weeks of the year were really great for us. But overall, the whole year was just wonderful. I hope we met your expectations. If there are things that you'd like to see us carrying or whatnot, don't hesitate to contact us in the Yarmouth store, you know, uh, and, and talk to us. Come up for Christmas season. We are open until Christmas in Yarmouth. Do the full rees, roping, all of that fun stuff, decorating, ornaments, yada, yada, yada. I know, Christmas. But I wanted to talk about our ladies' night again because it's November 14th. Okay, ladies' night from 3 to 7. We're going to have um, Rosemont's going to be there doing a wine tasting. Okay, so come early. All right. It's a great after work, you know, event. Get a bunch of the girls together. Come by. Make a little list of things your husband needs to buy you for a Christmas present. You know, uh, we have that happen periodically, you know. Just take a list down, give his, give us his name and, and address, and we'll mail it to him. If you want email, we can email it to him also. But Christmas is a fun season for us at Estabrooks. We deck the halls. We have a good time with it. We do everything custom if you want to bring your window boxes back in we can put greens in them decorate them up for you we have ribbon love all ribbon every type every style you know so if you're looking for something that needs to match your drapes or or um, you know your centerpiece we do a whole line of centerpieces and boxwood trees and I know it's early that I'm talking about this but take your calendar out and look at how much time you have between Thanksgiving and Christmas this year, and you'll understand why I'm talking about this. Because there is nothing that irks me more than a customer that walks in on the 10th of December and expects us to have everything for them to decorate for Christmas. And I want to be really frank with everyone because many of our suppliers stop producing products around the 1st of December. Can't buy any more roping. Can't buy any more greens. They're not cutting them anymore. So by the 10th of December, most all decorating is done. So to come in, you know, that third, you know, second week in December and think we're going to have a full-on stock of stuff, it's not going to happen. Okay, it's just the nature of the garden center industry. We can't continue to buy stuff. It doesn't taste well. It doesn't eat well. It doesn't feed me in the winter, <laughs> okay? Christmas greens don't taste good. They just don't. So think about your decorating needs. Now, here is a trend I want to talk about. When I was a kid, the holiday season was about decorating. It was about decorating. It wasn't about gifts. It was about getting the family together. It was about decking the halls. It was about having fun with that whole process. My take on it now is that with Black Friday and everybody else in our face with Christmas gifts, that that's more important to many people, which creates this 
really, really stressful situation to deck the halls the day before your Christmas party or the people are showing up or whatnot. So my suggestion is do a little bit all the time. Don't feel like you have to deck the whole halls. Do your wreaths one weekend. Do your boxes another weekend. Do your Christmas tree another weekend. And spread it out and enjoy the whole holiday season. Okay? Decorating is something that a family should do together. Everybody should enjoy it. It should be stress-free and just enjoyable. Okay? The one thing we have found is that it's rushed. People don't have the information. They didn't measure the door for the roping. They didn't measure, you know, the, the garland needs around the window or down the banister. So do all of that before you come to buy. Okay? A great way to figure out how much roping you need is to take a piece of string and string it up. If you don't have a tape measure, bring the st string with you. We'll measure it, and we'll cut the roping appropriately to the sizes you need. Okay? So important to go ahead and get organized. I know it's early. It's still October, and I'm talking about these things. But there are things that kind of pop up, and we, we, we see every year, year and out, year and year and out. You know, it just keeps happening to folks every year. I get paid a lot of money to be a psychiatrist in the garden center. And the toughest decision of the season is the Christmas tree. Okay. So give yourself ample time. Don't pick the coldest day of the year to do it. But everything is on track. So ladies' night out, November 14th, you know, put it on the calendar. You'll be getting an email from us if you if you have our email newsletter. We're going to be doing a bunch of stuff on social media, all kinds of great local vendors. So excited about Christmas season. It usually is a season that I'm not as excited about. I love everything about the holiday, but the rat race of the season gets really crazy. And this year is going to be very intense, okay? So plan for it. Take some pressure off of you, okay? Doesn't need to be that crazy. Let's get back to another question, okay? So here's a perfect question. This, this happens every single year. So my ficus tree has dropped 40 to 50% of its leaves. Why does it do that every year, and what can I do to prevent my ficus from dropping my, the leaves? Okay, this is a great question because it happens every year. There's nothing we can do about it. I'm going to tell you that right now. So ficus trees... Number one, they're a tropical, you know. So if you don't know what ficus trees are, they're seen in every mall. They're seen at every grocery store. They're the, probably the most common houseplant that we sell. They also tend to be, people get really, really ugly because they can be very messy. They drop leaves all the time. With ficus trees, it is normal for them to drop leaves going into fall. And I'm going to let you know why, Okay. The reason they do is because they are adjusting to the light levels in your home. So, let me say that again. They're adjusting to the light levels in your home. So if you're like me, at the end of the day and the sun goes down early, you know, it's getting to that depressing time of year where it gets, gets darker and darker and darker. The plants are, are feeling the same thing, okay? Now, with... Houseplants, many times in the off-season, October to March, they struggle. And it all comes down to the light that they have. So, ficus drop between 40 and 50% of their leaves almost every single year. And then you will find they will put on a whole bunch of new leaves, and they'll only be at the outer tips. 
and so the plant doesn't look as full and then during the summer months it thickens up again and puts on a bunch of foliage and it all depends on the light so here's a couple things a couple things that will help you trick your plant you need a hundred watt light bulb and you need a timer and a lamp now you need something that is going to be tall enough to be up above that wonderful ficus or houseplants. It's important that we try to trick our houseplants. If you think about it, the houseplants that do the best in your home, nine times out of ten, are typically in the room you watch TV and the room that you sit in every single evening. Because you've got lights on and you got the TV on and it's bright. If you think about the rooms that the houseplants probably don't thrive as well, it's the rooms you never go into and the rooms that are the darkest or they're cold. So those are the big things. So you have a timer, you have a 100-watt light bulb in the lamp, and you have it come on at 4 o'clock, and you have it go off at 10 o'clock. Now it needs to be bright, but what that will do is that will help trick that plant that there is a long day. And we do this with many plants like poinsettias, we do that. With mums, we can do that. You know, There's all kinds of things we can schedule, how they flower, how they put their foliage on, all of that. Begonias are a perfect example. Geraniums, you know, we'll talk a little bit later in the show about maybe you should be digging up your geraniums that are out in your garden and bring them in and potting them and using them all winter. But that's a trick you can use on your geraniums also is lighting them to keep them blooming and looking good all winter. So lighting can be a huge factor. Now, there are many lights for growing nowadays that are high-pressure sodium and all of these LEDs and all that. A simple 100-watt light bulb will work. You don't have to get fancy. All you need is a good light on a timer. And by having it on the timer, it will come on and it will go off. You're not using any extra energy, okay? And you're really setting yourself up for great success. So that's a great question. Houseplants can benefit huge. The other thing that really benefits from that is if you do windowsill herbs. So if you want your fresh basil and your rosemary and all of those things, that will make a huge difference. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more from the Joy of Gardening on News Talk WLOB. You may not know it, but most lawn fertilizers actually spread chemicals and pesticides across your entire lawn. Until now, that's been the history of lawn care products. It's also why Espoma has developed an affordable, all-natural lawn program that is safe for kids and pets. The program consists of four organic fertilizers that are specifically formulated to keep your lawn green. Each product lasts two and a half times longer than traditional chemical products, and they won't burn your lawn or leach away. You already know Espoma as a name you can trust. They've been making organic plant foods like Hollytone and Plantone for over 84 years. Imagine a great-looking lawn that you're not afraid to walk barefoot on. It's a whole new day in lawn care. Look for Espoma organic lawn food products wherever quality lawn and garden products are sold. And visit Espoma.com slash videos to learn more about organic lawn care. Espoma, a natural in the garden since 1929. Welcome back to The Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. I'm Tom Estabrook. On another Saturday morning, where do the weeks and months go? 
I can remember we were just starting this show back in, I believe it was February, and, you know, the dog days of winter, and going into spring, and how fun it was with the show, and now we're going into winter. It's a little tougher. It's a little tougher to talk about all these poor things that we have to do, and the tricks we have to do to keep plants looking good, but I want to bring back fall a little bit, because this next question kind of is hits at the heart of fall. I'm drying my hydrangea blossoms. When do I know they are done drying and can be used in a vase in the house? So hopefully at this point you've already cut your hydrangeas and you've had them hanging upside down. A few weeks ago we talked about it on the show of, you know, pruning back some of those, hanging them in a, a warm, dry place and letting them kind of dry up nicely. So the big thing you know when they are really ready to use in a vase or bring into the home, they basically are quite crispy. You know, they're dry to the touch. If they're not dry to the touch, then you give them some more time. And it's all different time frame-wise, really depending on the humidity in your home, where you hung them, whether it's been more on the cool or cool side instead of the warm side. If you're having a tough time getting them dry, maybe they're hanging in the garage. It might be too cold at this point, and the moisture is almost frozen in them. So bring them into the house, get them in the basement or up in the attic, some place that's warm, a dry closet that's going to suck the moisture out of those blossoms. Once they are good and really, really nice and dry, you'll be able to tell. The structure will be very, very stiff. They won't kind of flop around. Uh, then you can bring them in and use them. Great for that holiday time frame. The other thing is at this point, probably they're dry on the plant. You probably can pick a really nice stretch of weather, you know, if you haven't pruned any off and go out and pick the dried blossoms on the hydrangea. And now is a perfect time to prune back any of your paniculata hydrangeas, okay? So if you don't want to look at all those, you know, wonderful seed pods on the plant all winter, now is the time you can clean them up, shape them for the following spring. I personally like to leave them on. I like that winter interest. I like the birds kind of pecking at them. I like having that that interest in the winter. But certainly, if you want to clean it up, if it seems like an eyesore for you, go ahead. Prune it back. It'll be just fine next year. I'm talking paniculata hydrangeas. I'm not talking the blue hydrangeas. I want to be very clear about that, okay? Don't cut back your blue hydrangeas, okay? So we're don't clean out the leaves on the blue hydrangeas either. So paniculata hydrangeas, great time of year. You still can pick them. They're probably dry on the plant. So if you want, it's a great way to make a nice little centerpiece for the Thanksgiving table. You know, use some of those things that are out in nature. Maybe some winterberry, maybe some evergreen, some boxwood. You know, use your, use your, what you have in your landscape to create some of these things. If you want to, you certainly can come in. We do all of that at Estabrooks. You know, if you want a Thanksgiving centerpiece, we typically don't have a lot on hand just sitting there for pickup. But if you'd like to custom order something, we certainly can do that. Another thing we can do, which I think is just a great, great scenario. So you want a centerpiece for Thanksgiving. Come in and order one. We'll decorate it for Thanksgiving. When you're done Thanksgiving, bring it back. We'll decorate it for Christmas. So you get two uses out of it. Something like boxwood is a great thing. It will last the whole 
season. So you can take that centerpiece for Thanksgiving, use it for Thanksgiving, use it for a week or 10 days afterwards, you know, while you're kind of transitioning from your fall decorations to your Christmas. When you hit that point, bring it back in. You're coming to get your wreaths anyways. You're coming to get your roping. Bring it back in. We'll pluck out all the stuff that's fall, and we'll fill it with nice red berries and all kinds of other things for your table for the rest of the holiday season. So you can use it for your Christmas parties. You can use it for the holiday, all of that. So you get two uses, a lot less cost, and really, really save yourself some money. And so, you know, the hit of spending 50 or $75 for a centerpiece doesn't seem so bad if you get two holidays and you get six weeks out of it. Okay, more often than not, they will last all the way till New Year's. So you can even get three holidays. The key to success is water. So think about that when you come to ladies' night, November 14th. I'm going to keep pounding this into your head. Also, in future shows, I'm going to be telling you about the other events. Christmas with alpacas is always the first weekend in December. It's also the same weekend that all the church fairs are in Yarmouth. So it's a good way to kind of tie two things in together, bring the kids out, see the animals. We also have another event. I'm going to hold. I'm not going to tell you about that yet, though. I'm going to leave you hanging. So there's going to be another event the week of the 23rd, 24th, but I'm going to hold off on that. I'm not going to tell you yet. I'm going to hold that for another show. I want to tell everybody all the stuff we've fun stuff we've got going on but ladies night november 14th mark your calendar a great 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 time we're going to have a blast rosemont's going to be doing a wine tasting so you know and they'll be able to take orders for all the different wines that are there and you can pick them up at all the different rosemont's so if you're not in the Yarmouth area and you don't shop at the Yarmouth store, you can pick it up at the at the Portland one or wherever there's a local Rosemont uh, near you. So great situation. Last and not least, here's another question. Budlia or butterfly bush? To cut back or not to cut back? That is my question. I love that. That's great. Um, Budlia or butterfly bush, we've talked about this numerous times. I don't like to prune it back in the fall. I recommend you do not. If you did... It's not going to be a huge problem, but I really don't like to prune back butterfly bush. I don't like opening up the plant to frost and snow and ice on those new cut stems. I find that the frost goes down the stems and kills part of the stems, so you get a lot more dieback. So for me, I like to leave it up. And then in the spring, when it's just starting to put on new growth, I prune it back very aggressively, maybe to 18 inches or 24 inches. I give it a little plant tone around it, and then I find it explodes out of the of the ground and just really puts on a lot of nice growth. And I get a lot more flowers because I do that. So butterfly bush is one I recommend you don't. The other is blue mist spirea or caryopteris is another one. In the fall, I don't recommend you prune it back. Treat both of those, they're what I would call is a sub-shrub. It's a woody plant that we treat more like a perennial. Okay, so pruning back in the spring really does help with branching and more flowers later in the summer, but not something I would recommend in the fall season. So a good, good tip is on those tender plants, tend to leave them up, let the plant die back to where it wants to, you know, because butter, butterfly bush and also blue mist spirea tend to put on a lot of growth late in the season. And so it will die back probably 25% regardless of what you do. And that's fine. That's part of the nature of the plant. But then prune it back, thicken it up in the spring, little plant tone, 
two or three times in the spring, and you're going to have just an abundance of flowers the following season. So great question. Really, really important, uh, you know, on some of those tender plants. There's not a lot that we can't prune in the fall, you know, but if you already have pruned it back, it's not the end of the world. It probably will come through fine, but that's my recommendation. Next question we have is, when making a new bed, how much compost should I be adding to existing soil? This is very simple. Two inches right across the top of the soil and work it in. So very simple on compost. We don't want to over compost, you know, but just to add a couple inches and work it in. It's going to make your bed great and anything you plant in there is going to do a wonderful, wonderful job. Well, we're pretty much wrapping up for another week here on the Joy of Gardening by Estabrooks. You know, if you have questions, submit them to our website, estabrooksonline.com. We are taping our shows now. We are not live anymore, okay? We're in our off-season schedule. We'll be bringing in some guests in the next few weeks, talking with a whole host of different people. Uh, you know, the seed catalogs are coming out. All the things for next year are starting to ramp up and get excited about. So certainly, a whole host of things. We're going to be talking a lot this winter about next year and all the new and exciting things. There are many, many things coming on the market. I'm not going to tell you all about them this week, but, you know, I'm excited to have Johnny Select Seeds back in the near future. And, you know, they kind of held back on us earlier in the season. Didn't want to let us know what was new when we interviewed them. So excited to have them on. We're going to talk to you soon. We'll be back next week with another show. Get out there. Enjoy your garden and enjoy your weekend. Get decorated for another great fall season.